everybody, and welcome to the Wrestling Archives podcast. I'm your co-host, Tim Hackman. And I'm Rich Sigwald. Happy New Year, everybody. We hope you uh, had a very happy holiday season, and we hope you caught our first episode of 2024 with uh, Invincible Vince Valor of Empire State Wrestling and some other various uh, wrestling promotions in the uh, upper New York Buffalo area. Nice guy. We were happy to talk to him and hear a little bit about his uh his history in the business and, and what all is going on with him. So we hope you catch that one. We also hope you check out our newly renamed, all of our socials, our Facebook, our Instagram, our, our X, uh, our ko-fi.com with the Wrestling Archives, our brand new name. Uh, this is our second episode with a new name. So we're, we're going to try very hard not to, uh, you know, revert back to the, all the WrestleManias, um, you know, it's like it's like writing the uh, previous year on your checks. Although nobody writes checks anymore, so I don't. Do you have another analogy? Uh, I don't know. Well, I mean, we can keep a we can keep a, a curse jar, but just have it all, <laughs> in all the WrestleManias jar anytime you welcome yeah. to all the WrestleManias. Oh, there goes another dollar. Uh, oh. There's a dollar, uh, and we're all done. We buy new microphones. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah, sure. Well. <laughs> I think I'm on microphone um, number four at this point, so we're doing great. Yeah. I got a backup because uh, there was a bit of a saga with my replacement microphone where it didn't show and it didn't show and it didn't show. And finally, Amazon said, yeah, we don't know what happened to it. So they were very nicely uh, sent me a replacement. And then like three weeks later, out of the blue, the original one showed up. Nice. So I've got two um, very fancy Blue Yeti mics. Oh. Maybe if we ever get a third co-host, we can we can give it to him as a can, as a gift. You can rope your wife into coming in and talking. <laughs> I'm sure she would love it. Mm, I still don't think it's going to happen. Although she did watch um, most of the show that we're going to talk about today with me, so I have a few a few key <laughs> quotes from her. It's always always a good time when I make Jackie watch old wrestling. She she likes it. She won't she won't admit Especially it. Especially this um, this show that holds a special place in not just wrestling history but the internet cultural zeitgeist that is out there the the essence of meme culture this was a big one yeah 100 percent. so the show we're talking about of course is the wcw capital combat from 1990 billed as the return of robocop and came to you live from the dc armory may 19th 1990 attendance about 7500 um, got good old JR Jim Ross along with Bob Cotto on announcing duties. We've got Tony Schiavone and Gordon Sully on, uh, interviewing duties. Gary Michael Carpetta, of course, doing all the announcing for us. Um, this is kind of fun. It was, it sort of coincided with the release of Robocop 2. Um, and so, uh, they're, they're just, they're cross promoting the hell out of this thing. Yeah. Ted Turner thought this was a great idea to use his new wrestling company. <laughs> this is their third pay-per-view and thought this was the, this was the time they've secured the market share to be a viable, uh, opportunity to, uh, advertise. And I guess Orion pictures who put out RoboCop two needed the help from a WCW <laughs> wrestling pay-per-view to spread the word sure. of, of the RoboCop sequel coming out. Um, yeah, I will say that this show pretty much has an all-star lineup for announcing. It does. Like, yeah. You, fantastic. You can't, you can't name any better announcers in the business than Jim Ross, Bob Cottle, Tony Schiavone, Gordon Sully and then Gary Michael Capetta doing the ring announcing. Like you just maybe Howard Finkel in there too somehow. Like we're yeah. him to come on come on down to DC for the weekend. But yeah, this is this show is Yeah, some top ten guys for sure. Um 
I don't know. I, I'm sort of a fan of RoboCop too. It gets sort of maligned. It didn't do very well at the box office, if I remember correctly. Um, written by Frank Miller of comic book fame. Yeah, it was going to be his like kind of big entree into movies, and that didn't really go as planned. Um, it didn't quite kill the franchise because they brought it back with RoboCop 3, albeit without Peter Weller. Uh, and then that one pretty much killed the franchise, especially, I think it was the, the family friendly rating on that one and the flying RoboCop that pretty much did it. Yeah. Uh, there, there's actual debate about who was RoboCop on at Capital Combat. Uh, yeah. Sting has gone on the record saying that was Peter Weller dressed as RoboCop. And Jim Cornette is on the record saying, no, there was no freaking way that was Peter Weller coming to, D- to the DC Armory for 7,500 people dressed as, yeah. dressed as RoboCop to do that. Um, I'm not sure if it matters. I'm sure no. uh, you, if you tried to email Peter Weller and ask, he's going to ignore your email. <laughs> or if you tweet at him or whatever, X at him. Is it, is it X was, at him now? Or yeah, I think you X at him. He was just here. He was on campus like this Man, semester. I could have asked him. Should have asked him. Apparently, asked him. there's a bunch of people on campus who know him. Uh, and he, he has come around a couple of times now for various, you know, he's a history professor now and he's got a, he's got a PhD and he's like, he's, he seems to be fairly legit. I think he teaches for, um, Columbia maybe or NYU, one of those places. Well, you um, have your mission. Yeah. The next time. Next time. That's going to be rolling it. through. Excuse me, sir. Were you at Capital Combat ninety? The return of <laughs> RoboCop was. Were you RoboCop at that? Do you want to come on our podcast and talk about it? <laughs> what if we could break that story? What if we could be the definitive? You know, the source, and we're like cited in Wikipedia, and uh, and like I don't that maybe this is maybe this is why we exist. We would have made Rich. it. We would have made it. Yeah, we exist yeah. so that we can finally get. Uh, a, pr- a primary source confirmation of who was RoboCop <laughs> at Capital Combat 90, the yeah. return of RoboCop. I'm just going to say that his chin looks right. You know, if you look at the RoboCop, there's nothing, there's nothing that like stands out as like, that's definitely not Peter Weller's chin, right? That's, that's trying to prove a negative. So you can't really do that. But um, it's funny I'm you say saying. that, that I've seen multiple blog posts that use that exact same <laughs> argument that it has to be Peter Weller because look at that chin. Look at that chin and his lips too. He's got sort of like almost like cubibo lips. Yeah. Like they can't um, make prosthetics to do that. Like, I don't know. I don't know. We're getting ahead of ourselves. We should probably we should. Um, <laughs> talk about the rest of the car before we just jump right to Robocop. But it is, it is definitely a highlight and you've probably seen it on the internet. I've had multiple friends send that to me over the years with like, Hey, if wrestling is fake, how about this? And then it's Robocop coming out. Yeah, yeah. Robocop comes from, I don't know how they have t- Robocop there. Robocop's from the future, isn't he? Like, that's, yeah, you know, but not that far in the future. Yeah, I, just, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's, <laughs> this is, this is one of those baffling moments you shake your head at in professional wrestling. <laughs> there's, uh, yeah, there's a few of those in this card. So let's yeah. maybe, let's maybe get right to it. You have anything else on the background of this one before we get to the card? I mean, I mentioned that this is WCW's third pay per view. Um, they had moved Wrestle War uh, from being their May pay per view to being in February, and then decided to sub it in with this one. Um, there was a printing error on the tickets that uh, said that the show started at eight o'clock, but the show started at seven o'clock, which is why for the first several matches the arena is practically empty. 
because this is back in the day to where, well, you just showed up when the ticket said you show up. There's no internet or anything like that to confirm. Well, the arena is empty when, when the show starts. And Jim Ross even makes comment, but he says that, you know, the traffic in the area is so terrible, which honestly it is. Uh, the, the, uh, the DC Armory is right next to old RFK uh, Stadium in Washington, DC for those and by the Eastern Market and stuff. And so it's right on the orange line of the Metro. But, uh, if you're driving there, which a lot of suburbanites would do. Uh, you're coming down DC Route 295, which is is a parking lot 24 seven. It's not. Yeah, it's not an easy place to get to, and it's kind of on a spot where it's like not really serviced by any of the major, you know, in and out roads. Um, yeah, you have to really be trying to get to the DC Army. Yeah, you have to want want it real bad. Um, <laughs> have you, um, have you ever been to an event there? I have. I used to go to the Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey circus. Oh, there, nice. Uh, cause nice. all my extended family really lived in the DC area right between Fairfax and Arlington and such. So when my great grandfather decided he wanted to go with me to the circus, instead of going to the Baltimore performance, we went to the circus in DC and frequently cool. when, when Ringling Brothers was around, uh, they toured a blue circus and a red circus. And frequently one would be in Baltimore while the other one would show up in DC. And so that was a, mm. a, a cheater way to get to see both of the circuses and get like the red program and the blue program and the red oh flashy gosh. light and the blue flashy light with the, with the Siberian tiger on it. Um, it's like uh, raw and SmackDown being in the same. You know. It really kind of is like. <laughs> Or, or like in when Monday Night Raw and Nitro were both in Norfolk the same week, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it was um, that place is not a great arena. I I recall like sitting on like old wood pullout bleachers, not yep. actually having seats. They so we saw boxing there. We saw um, it was Friday Night Fights. I think it was. Um... I want to say it was Lamont Peterson had a title fight there. He's he's a DC guy. He and his brother actually are both DC fighters. Um, and so that would have been mid 2000s somewhere. And um, same thing, pull out bleachers, uh, like your old high school gym slash cafeteria slash auditorium, you know. Um, so that, that was funny because uh, I believe it was Vincent Gray was the mayor of DC at the time. And uh, they, they announced him on the mic, you know, for the show and like everybody booed. It was great. <laughs> nice. <clears throat> we also saw a uh, roller derby there. My friend Megan was in the uh, DC roller girls for a bit. And so we saw it and they, for that, they basically just push all the seats in and it, they just skate on the flat uh, wood floor. Yeah. It looks like they, it looks like they still do, uh, uh, DC roller girls, uh, roller derby there. Yeah. There used to be a indoor soccer team there briefly. It looks like, looks mm -hmm. like for two years in the forties, the Georgetown Hoyas played there. Uh, so if we're mm. talking about the 1940s, that lets you know how old this building is. It was built in 1941. It looks like, uh, mm. so yeah, it's old. <laughs> it was old when this event happened. It is now mm -hmm. even more old. There was even Barack yeah. Obama had an inaugural ball there. Hmm. Uh, I was curious whether it's still an active armory. I don't. Um, somebody, Jim Jim Ross, maybe mentions that it is at the time that they're yeah. that they're doing this show. But I I have a hard time believing it still is. But who knows? Yeah, apparently the pre inaugural gala for John F. Kennedy was there. 
Good God. Yeah. The performers that night included Harry Belafonte, Milton Berle, Leonard Bernstein, Joey Bishop, Nat King Cole, Tony Curtis, Jimmy Durante, Ella Fitzgerald, Gene Kelly, Alan King, Janet Lee, Ethel Merman, Louis Prima, Keeley Smith, Pat Suzuki, and Helen Traubel. Good gun. Yeah, that's uh, some DC history. Yeah. Looks like Marilyn Manson performed there at some point. It was a tryout venue for American Idol at one point. And that, I believe. Yeah. Packed the people into a barn. (laughs) Yeah, where the uh, HVAC is suspect. (laughs) Slim to none. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, uh, yeah, fun. Kind of fun uh, historical place to have an event. Maybe not the greatest. uh, I mean, it's actually perfectly adequate for a wrestling event of this size, Mm -hmm. I would say. Um, (laughs) I guess we'll find out. The first up on the card is a six-man thing. Um, Bam Bam Bigelow, Cactus Jack, and Kevin Sullivan on one side. What a combo. Uh, They're there with Oliver Humperdinck representing them as, as manager versus the Road Warriors and Norman who is billed as coming from the state hospital, which made me laugh. Um, Accurate. Norman is also um, Bastion Booger. Yeah, later, he becomes right? Bastion He's, Booger uh, later. I think he also becomes the uh, Friar Tuck or whatever his name was. That was like uh, the mute yeah. Friar wrestler guy for a very brief time before he became Bastion Booger. Uh, Mike Shaw is his real yeah. name. Talented guy. Um, yeah. Yeah, so right before this match, there's a bunch of uh, musicians dressed in revolutionary garb, and they play the national anthem, but they don't actually allow them to come all the way out. They're, like, tucked away inside the stage set playing, and you really can't see them. There's a very good chance that I might have known some of them, because I'm sure they're probably ex-military or current military band members and they do a nice job, but I thought it was just weird that they're just tucked away and hidden away and just like eerily spooky in the back. Well, maybe they didn't want to scare anybody and bring it out to guys in soldier outfits or something. Yeah, maybe not. I don't know. It was weird. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to that piece. Obviously I missed it entirely. Yeah. It Um, wasn't worth it. I was super distracted by how skinny Mick Foley is. uh, First off. Yeah. It's just like, a tiny baby Mick Foley animal starts off with Mick to start. And then we get Hawk versus Bam Bam and Sullivan tags in. There is a stiff ass clothesline um, from one of the (laughs) good God from one of the road warriors on Sullivan. Right. I think I didn't even write that part down, but I thought he was, I thought he was going to take his head off. I'm always distracted by Kevin Sullivan's like bulbous body and incredibly narrow legs. I don't know. Like, I know that's, Older Kevin Sullivan, but that's pretty much the only Kevin Sullivan I know is the guy with the bulbous body and like narrow legs. Kind of looks like the what's his name that that one monster from uh, Monsters Inc. that was voiced by Billy Crystal. <laughs> yeah, which is that Sully or is that the? I other think one? it's the other one, Mike. Mike, yeah, yeah, yeah. the green yeah, one, yeah, the green one. He does. He is a weird shaped dude. Yeah. Um, no wonder people really know. thought he was the devil. Like, and look at him. <laughs> So he is married to a um, woman, uh, Nancy Benoit. At um, this point, yeah. At this point, yeah. yeah, which I had no idea. That's a thing I learned. Um, so one of the announcers says, uh, now we've got a pajama-clad Norman versus the slightly deranged Cactus Jack, <laughs> which is a, a pretty nice descriptor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bam Bam's kind of like brand new here, right? Like, Yeah, he's, he's new to the scene at this point. And he's kind of relegated to the side in this match, though. Yeah. So. 
It's kind of sad. Yeah. And then it's like, I, I don't think I'd ever seen Oliver Humperdinck before. He's been on a, I feel like he's been on a, um, a WrestleMania or something that we watched. Maybe. Cause he's a weird looking dude. And I kind of, yeah. Like, oh yeah, I remember him. Um, but yeah, he doesn't usually do a whole lot. The concept of, of multiple people using the name Oliver Humperdinck. Why are they <laughs> picking that name? Like, I understand that he was a composer. That's the original Oliver Humperdinck. He, he wrote an opera called Hansel and Gretel, mm-hmm. um, which is fairly famous. But then there's the 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 crooner that took up the name Oliver Humperdinck and now a wrestling mm-hmm. manager as well. <laughs> I And I don't think the crooner and the wrestling manager are the same guy, right? They're not. I don't right? know they're not. Right? I just want to make sure. That they're not the same guy, but yeah, I don't understand this. This this Oliver Humperdinck is John J. Sutton. Uh, came out of Jim Crockett, Florida Championship, and then later WWF. Weird. Yeah, he's a weird looking dude. He looks like um, I don't know what he looks like. He looks like a half assed uh, Doctor John a little bit. Um, yeah, he's got know. a big old beard though. So whatever. <laughs> uh, B- Bigelow and uh, Hawk. And two gigantic slabs of meat, like slap into each other for a bit, and they take turns tossing poor Mick around like a rag doll. Felt a little bit bad for yeah, him. He gets torn up in this uh, match. <laughs> he doesn't seem to mind. No. He's he's young and spry, and all his joints are still in the right place, so he's he's doing all right. Um, and then there's a big leaping clothesline from Hawk on Sullivan uh, for the pin and the win there. Um, that one kind of just sort of breezes past, and it's not a whole lot to recommend it. It's a uh, it's a little, little over nine and a half minutes long. Uh, but next up, we've got um, this kid that, I don't know, he just came and went and nobody ever heard from him again. Mean Mark Callis with Teddy Long as his manager facing off against Johnny Ace. Uh, later, of course, John Laurinaitis of WWF um, backstage uh, executive and all kinds of shenanigans. Um, longer career behind the scenes than uh, in the ring, I think. And Mark Callis is, of course, Mark Calloway, a.k.a. The Undertaker. Um, he's billed at 6'9 and 320, uh, which I don't know if I, I believe that. Yeah, I, I mean, he's, right. he's a big guy. He's 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 uh, he's very, very, very tall. Um, yeah, <laughs> this is actually probably one of his last appearances. So, like, uh, Calloway's final match in WCW was September 7th, and then he shows up. Yeah. Uh, in WWF at the Survivor Series that year. So, yeah. 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 End of an era. Yeah. Hope, hopefully it works out for this mean Mark guy. Yeah, he seems like a good kid, you know? He's just um, got a lot of potential. They uh, We're told that he perfected his heart punch on a recent tour of Japan. Um, and we're also told that he doesn't like people. His favorite pet is a snake, and his favorite singer is Ozzy Osbourne. So clearly, these are all very scandalous things. Yeah, I'm I'm with him with a lot of those things. Forget the snake bit, but like, yeah, I don't like people. I'm I'm a great. fan of Ozzy. Yeah, yeah. I wish I went on a tour of Japan. Would you learn the heart punch? Do you think I would not mind punching people in the heart at all? <laughs> it seems like it could be a useful thing to know how to do. I think so. I think so. Just punching people in the heart all the time. Get off me. <laughs> JR runs down everybody's uh, collegiate records, of course. Um, we learned that uh, that Mark was a basketball player, too. I didn't I didn't know that. Is that true, do you think? Yeah, it says actually right here. Football and basketball. Yeah. Went to went to school on a basketball scholarship. Yeah, yeah. He never mentions his his, his brother though. So never see <laughs> never see Kane anywhere. It's a dire oversight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, he was probably still 
recovering from his horrible burns at this point. They weren't probably, aware of his existence. Probably. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Or his uncle Paul. No. Oh. Um, <laughs> I mean, we shouldn't, we shouldn't uh, sneeze at the fact that uh, Johnny Ace, who is his opponent here, is John Laurinaitis. Mm-hmm. We've seen on a WrestleMania. He's a big time WWE backstage figure for a very long time. I think he might be retired now from WWE, but he got caught up in the, the last Vince scandal, I believe. Yeah. The, uh, the pain, and the ladies not there. to talk about yeah. hooking up with, with Vince and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I do think it's funny that there's, there's memes out there pointing out that Vince McMahon paid more money to keep those women quiet than he did for WCW. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, we saw him, um, we saw him in an NWA show. I think, um, maybe it was one of the, one of the clashes or one of those. Cause it looks like he was with them from 86 to 90. Yeah. Um, and he went to uh, Japan for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is an all right match. There's a, there's a couple of, um, you know, familiar moves. If you watch a lot of Undertaker, you can see there's a, there's a big elbow drop that, uh, Mark misses. Uh, he does the rope walk thing, of course. Um, he does that a couple of times. I think just, you know, yeah. just for good measure. Yeah. And it's also good yeah. to mention that John Laurinaitis is the brother of Road Warrior Animal. Is that true? That is true. And he's I know they also, have the same last name. Yeah, he's also the stepbrother or step oh. stepfather for uh, the Bella Twins. Oh, yeah. Well, look at all that. I know. You know, I always knew they had the same last name. I never actually looked to see if they were related. They are related, indeed. Huh. He's a big dude too. He's like six foot something or other. He's yeah. uh, six six four. So he's not he's not tiny by any means. Yeah, I mean um, he definitely stands out. He doesn't he doesn't make Mean Mark look gigantic. You know, because mm-hmm. he's almost as big. So, but I think basically they treated Johnny Ace like a jobber in this match. Yeah. He whooped his ass. Yeah. He, <laughs> Mark gets the heart punch and then the rope walk, rope walk to the elbow drop for the win. Um, and the only time it's used on this show, they, they do the slam meter uh, on the finish. That's right. They do it and then they never do it again. Um, it's like a, like a f- cheesy like thing. And, and we're told that that the slam, I guess the elbow drop registered an 8.2 on a scale of 10, um, which is, it's a very scientific system. Yeah. And you, you, I guarantee that like David Crockett, who I think was, was working for WCW at this point was like in the booth going, no, that doesn't look good. Don't do it again. <laughs> Let's forget that thing ever existed. Don't do that. <laughs> Well, because it's funny, they like they're like, well, let's go to the slammer meter, and then it kind of takes it a few seconds oh, God, to like yeah. register. So everybody's just kind of sitting there waiting, like, what are we waiting for? Oh yeah, the slammer meter. Yeah, forgot. And then it totally yeah. doesn't coordinate, and it looks bad. It doesn't like. It's not like <laughs> it's the needle dumb. jumps when the slam <laughs> happens or anything like that. It's just yeah. You know, it's 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 almost equal to like though like you see back in the old days of like of like dance competitions and like the guy just does the thing with his arm to show how yeah, the, how excited the applause meter the, the applause yeah. meter kind of thing like it's it's as scientific as that yeah <laughs> there's no bias to it whatsoever kind of it's very empirical mm-hmm. yeah hundred percent totally um well, there's a couple of uh interview things gordon sully's backstage they're looking for robocop there's like metal grinding noises <laughs> like a like somebody's running an angle grinder yeah. in the back uh there's assume they're polishing him up there's no way that's in the back it looks way <laughs> too nice to be the dc armory back there and it doesn't look that nice but it had to be filmed ahead of time elsewhere in a studio or something with all the smoke and the lights and it just there's no yeah. way that's the DC armory. And the footage is cutting in and out with static yeah. because of RoboCop and 
computers or something. I don't know. It was 1990. People didn't Robocop understand anything. clearly gives off electromagnetic pulses. <laughs> He's a danger to himself and others. Yes. He could probably couldn't fly. He couldn't take him in an airplane because he would shut the systems down. Right. Right. He has to walk nope. everywhere. He's too heavy to be in a car. That's why he got wings in the third Robocop. <laughs> they, they figured this out. Shivani uh, interviews the Rock and Roll Express. They're going to take the tag championship for the fifth time, they tell us. Um, I guess. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, next up is uh, Captain Mike Rotunda uh, and Wildfire Tommy, Tommy Rich versus the Samoan SWAT team, Fatu and Samoan Savage. Samoan Savage is a.k.a. Samuel, a.k.a. Tama, a.k.a. the Tonga Kid. And Fatu is, in theory... Um, AKA, you know, later what Rikishi, Rikishi. and he, he had another gimmick the Sultan. in there, didn't he? No, oh, yeah, the Sultan. Um, but we had, we we're having a little discussion before we signed on about whether that's really Fatu. And of course, everybody is named very similarly and it's kind of hard to keep track. So our best guess is Fatu and Tama or Samoan Savage. Uh, but if you know something that we don't, please help us. Yeah, please, please, please help us. <laughs> We love the Samoans. They're great. Um, but sometimes there's too many of them to keep straight. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 this is very confusing because like, it doesn't help that like it's Sam, Samu and Fatu and Fatu, Fatu. And it's just, <laughs> it's Samu, Sam, Fatu, Fatu. And I don't know what else you could throw in there. What other Samoan uh, syllables you can say uh, to, to try and, differentiate these people uh the, but we do believe that we saw that like samu had been fired from wcw at this point uh um, right and they did not show up to a tv taping which was supposed to set up them challenging for the tag titles so instead they end up against mike rotunda and tommy rich instead of uh brian pullman and tom zink brian pillman mm. brian pullman jesus um and, of the railroad car fame right <laughs> He made the air break, man. Um, <laughs> whoo, boy. Yeah, they should. They gave me a venti peppermint mocha latte at Starbucks today. So I'm a little, little out and jittery jumpy. Let's go. Let's do this kind of thing. So, <laughs> all right. Take just let's just take a deep breath. We'll be all right. We'll get through this. So, as they rang the bell, I just thought of, um, I just thought of that quote from one of the Naked Gun movies where he's like, you watch, you like watching uh, boxing, Lieutenant Driven. He's like, all I know is never bet on the white guy. <laughs> so that's, that's what we got here. <laughs> yeah, this match is hard hitting. And this is the match where you can tell that there is little to no ventilation in the DC armory because everybody is sweating so badly in this match. And you can see that the crowd is like fanning themselves and they're kind of sweating and it is just close and uncomfortable. And now the, the auditorium is getting close to being full uh, because people are showing up. It's close to eight o'clock now, as opposed to seven o'clock that when the show actually started. Uh, so it's getting hot. It's getting sweaty. It's getting close. This event, I guarantee, does not smell good. <laughs> yeah, and this is before X body spray, so we don't even have that. Right. Help. I, I remember I the smell of the elephants in this building. 
And oh God. so I, yeah, th- this I'm, I'm, I'm picturing like that's close to how this place smells. But I mean, we, we, we've noted in the past that Mike Rotunda is a, is a famous sweater. He sweats. He's a sweater. He sweats so <laughs> much sure. when he's working. And it's just because he's in such fantastic shape. His body actually responds to physical activity. Um, but he sweats a lot. And, but in this one, they haven't even done anything and he's completely drenched. And it's not just like he poured water over himself. He is sweating and Tommy Rich is sweating. Both of the Samoans are sweating and it is, ugh, it's gross. It's, yeah, it's, it's pretty gross. There's some long heat on Rotunda to kind of get this thing going. Um, you know, I like watching the Samoans work. They always, they always really bring it. Um, and he finally eventually gets a hot tag to, uh, to old Tommy Rich there who does, who does his best. Uh, he manages to get a, um, a sleeper on one of the Samoans while the ref is distracted by Mike. Uh, but of course, then the, uh, the other Samoan comes off the top with a big hammer, uh, to get the win. Yeah. Um, all I know is never been on the way. Yeah, guy. Rotunda is so solid in the fundamentals. His arm drags, so good. his his arm bars, his takedowns, his bumps, they're all so smooth and quick and clean. They look real. It's so good. And this is a weird match because both teams are heels. They're both bad guys. They're both cheating. It's kind of hilarious. Um <laughs> Jim Ross lets us know that uh, Mike Rotunda was a finalist in the punt kick pass competition uh, at one point. <laughs> and I feel like he's told us that before. Maybe. Yeah, he has. I he definitely know. has. I think he told us that during that Rick Steiner match, uh, but yeah. Cottle and Jim Ross both keep referring to the Samoan SWAT team as savages and Cottle sounds uncomfortable doing it and always hesitates. And I was thinking maybe it was just having second thoughts about referring to these dudes as savages, especially since they're not even really from Samoa at this point. They're like from Tampa and, and Allentown PA, but um, <laughs> maybe it's just because he's not sure who it is now at this point. I'm thinking that's yeah, actually his hesitation. And he's like, I don't know if that's actually the Samoan savage or the Tonga kid or whatever. I don't know who that is in the ring. Yeah. But both teams just look fantastic in this match. I loved it. Yeah. It's a fun match. They, uh, they really go at it, uh, which we've come to expect again from, from all these guys and Tommy rich. We haven't seen as much of, we've seen him in a few NWA shows here and there, um, but he's actually, he's pretty good. He's solid. Yeah. He's a kind of a big dude. He works sort of fast. Mike Rotunda, I will, I will put on my like underrated, Mount Rushmore whenever we get around to making it. Absolutely. Uh, anything about this else about this one before we move on? Good stuff. Uh, you know, not really. I mean, it, it was an excellent tag match. Um, I liked the finish where Tommy has uh, the sleever hold on Fatu and then uh, the other Fatu clubs him in the back from the top rope and gets the pin on off of that. That was pretty, it's pretty sweet finish. This was probably one of my favorite matches on this card. Yeah. Tony uh, interviews the Steiners next and they, <laughs> they are not really good at talking. It's not good. <laughs> they are rambling. They are all over the place. The only line I was able to really decipher out of it was we came to Washington DC to suplex you on your head. <laughs> <laughs> Truth in advertising, oh, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. And that's, that's yeah, yeah. This is this is way before Steiner math, so we don't even get those kind of uh, Steiner math is a brilliant promo. Uh. <laughs> we announced some sweepstakes winners who look very nice, maybe a little bit confused about what's going on. Yeah, uh, 
And then we announce our guest ring announcer, Missy Hyatt, the first lady of wrestling, uh, accompanied by world-renowned hairstylist Jay Tapper, who will do the barbering of the loser for the next match. Um, Missy Hyatt's voice is god-awful. Yeah. Like, it is nails on chalkboard. Um, we're watching this, and Jackie says, uh, she said, does she know her voice sounds like that? <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if she does. It's not good. Her na- it, it is like high pitch. It is nasally and it's screamy. It always sounds like she's kind yeah. of screaming. It's not good. No. So we have to listen to her introduce precious Paul Ellering on one corner versus Teddy Long. These are both manager guys, of course. Um, this is a hair versus hair match. Um, Paul Ellering, though, is like a legit, apparently, NCAA champion. Yeah. He's in tremendous shape. Like, yes. I kept looking up i'm like wait this is the road warriors manager guy right like i never he's also he was, wrestled with them i never realized he was such a stud like yeah it's such a weird serious yeah it's such a weird combo thing like he he mostly is their manager but he does occasionally wrestle with them and yeah. it's i don't know it's it's strange um <laughs> It's a strange relationship. And I remember when the road warriors initially came over to WWF and then they didn't have Paul Ellering with them, but I wasn't really familiar with who the hell Paul Ellering was. And then they did that one. We watched that show where they're announced. And now Paul Ellering is now with the road warriors. And we're just like, okay, yeah, great. <laughs> well, and the crowd at that one clearly didn't know who that was. No, either. they didn't they care. Like, uh... All right. Yeah, because they only watched WWF at that point. At this point, right. the, the the audience was already segregated. So yeah, um, there's some incredible uh, announcements from the guys during this one. Um, I mean, I have I have a couple of favorites, but um, first of all, uh, so Teddy's wearing boxing gloves yeah. and headgear, um, and he jumps the gun and wraps up Paul in his own jacket and gets some cheap shots on him. Um, so Jr. tells us this is the first one. Uh, he says that Paul is a long distance runner who aspires to compete in the Iditarod. Do you think? <laughs> do you think Jr. knows that that's a dog sled race, or do you think it's like? <laughs> does he think it's a running event? I, I mean, you do have to have some sort of endurance and tolerance to do the Iditarod, but yeah, I don't think long distance running is one of those. No, you most as far as I understand it, you have to be able to tolerate the cold, and you have to be able to tolerate dogs shit like flying in your face for most of it because the dogs do not have much in the way of control once they kind of get going and you don't stop for them to take little breaks so yeah yeah the dogs are just pooping on you you guys could do the math yeah i don't know that doesn't we're like oh you're oh you're a runner huh so what uh what event are you training for is it a marathon or oh no the iditarod <laughs> anyway what else is going on in this match? I, I got I got very distracted by that. They didn't drag it out. I was very happy that they did a manager versus manager match, and it was like 30 seconds of actual action time, and then it was his hair shaving time, right? Yeah. Ellering lands a right hand, I think, that drops Teddy, and Teddy is just like passed out asleep on the ring, and he gets part of his head cut, haircut. And you honestly can't even <laughs> tell that they actually cut his hair. No. I always think of him as bald anyway, so this is probably a better look for him. Yeah, because, I mean, Playa, um, he comes down and tells you that you got to fight the Undertaker. He's bald at that point. That's right. That's right. I I was uh, I appreciated that Mean Mark Callis was managed by Teddy Long earlier. Yeah. I'm like, this is connecting all the pieces in my brain. This is great. Um, yeah, uh, Paul figures out. He gets, he gets the boxing glove off of uh, Teddy and realizes that it's loaded. Uh, and so he lays him out with the glove and knocks him out. 
Um, the guy, the guy does a pretty good job with the shaving. That's a, that's a problem sometimes when people get all sweaty, but he's, he's clearly knows what he's doing. He goes right to it. So, um, we've got Tony with the horseman now, uh, Arn, Sid, and, and that's Oli, right? Yes. Um, and they, they all do their own little uh, bit of yelling there. And then they introduce Ric Flair. It's chaos. Flair just comes comes out of nowhere. He's like, he's like a fucking Muppet who like just came up from the bottom of the stage. Yeah. He's just like, he's not, he's not there. And then he is, and he's yelling and he's screaming and his hair's flying everywhere. And he tells, um, Lex Luger, that said, when you walk that aisle, you pay that price. He tells Luger, he's going to make him a one-legged athlete till this is all over. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think you're allowed to say that. Arn also delivers this amazing line that we're all individuals working individually for the same goal. <laughs> Thanks, Arn. <laughs> Thanks, Arn. Just don't shoot me. (laughs) How does this equate? Is that Steiner math? Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) This is. It's it's a solid Ric Flair promo. It's a really good one. I enjoyed that. I think at this point they're still holding to the story that Arn and Oli are brothers and then they are Ric Flair's cousin. I think that's that's what we're being told. Yeah, I think they're still sticking to that story at this point. They kind of drop it eventually because like they're like. This doesn't fucking make sense, but they hold on to that story for like four or five yeah. years. Like I'm watching old um, World Championship Wrestling episodes, you know, the, the studio wrestling with um, with Tony Schiavone and David Crockett right now, and like, uh-huh. and it's it's episodes from like 1986, and they're talking about them being cousins constantly. Like I, nice, yeah, like I, wow, okay, you know, no one believes that, right? No one has to believe that. I believe it. This is like big show, big show being Andre's son, you know, he's right up there with that. Uh, That's great. I love it. We get to the next match. Um, This is for the U S tag team championship. We've got the midnight express, Bobby Eaton and Stan Lane, of course, managed by Jim Cornette uh, versus flying Brian Pillman and Z man, Tom Zink Uh, Z man and Pillman have the belts coming into this one. Cornette is going to be locked in a steel cage so he can't interfere in the match, um, which is very fortunate because then that means the cage is there for a, a spot a little bit later yeah. then too. Um, so he actually, he's really funny. He kind of runs around the ring basically like a, like a toddler who won't put a diaper on like so that they can't catch him and throw him in the cage. Uh, and the ref finally lays him out. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> the ref just like puts out a clothesline really and takes out That's Cornette. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. Cornette lays down is this gold. He's got another good one here in, in a minute. So yeah, this is a, this is a decent match to start anyway. It's some good fast paced action. Uh, Pillman and Z-Man sort of get the other hand. Um, Cottle is, is talking about how Zank and Pillman are the new breed of pro wrestlers because they went to college uh, and they're coming out from yes. the college uh, environment. <laughs> yes. Cause they actually, f- they've finished their college degrees. Yeah. Yeah, which seems a little insulting to like Bobby Eaton and Stan Lane. Like, are they saying that like, look, these guys are just a bunch of like dumbass rednecks and like, yes, I don't know. That's exactly what Bob Cottle was saying. (laughs) What he's saying, like, they're just not, they're not, they're not smart and educated. They can, they're these are thinking man's wrestlers. I think is actually what Cottle says. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Jim Ross informs us that Jim Cornette is a mixed doubles champion from college, (laughs) apparently in tennis. Yeah, I heard. uh, Yeah. Uh, not true at all. He also tells us that one of the teams is, uh, I guess it was a Midnight Express, is Marion Barry's favorite tag team. <laughs> yes, I believe he did say that 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 was uh, that was Midnight Express. <laughs> Famous DC Mayor famously reelected despite smoking crack on camera. Um, you can watch uh, Chris Rock special and learn all about Marion Barry. 
he's a he's a he's an he was a special breed of uh, of DC politician. Yeah, uh, do you remember the night that they raided the Capitol uh, motel on New York Avenue and arrested Barry? Like the yeah, the night, well, I mean, the night that they pulled that sting. I don't. Rem- I mean, I remember it in retrospect yeah. now. Yeah. No. Well, because we wouldn't, we weren't living in the area at the time. Oh, so. okay. Well, my family and I were driving down New York Avenue that night. And we were oh, yeah. right past the <laughs> the the hotel as like it was being raided by DC oh, cops wow. and FBI and stuff to take Marion Barry down for selling and doing crack with a prostitute. Yeah. Leave leave the man alone. I know. <laughs> Anyways, back anyway, to wrestling. But it's yeah. good to know that he has a favorite tag team. Yeah. Um, well, had. And Mr. Barry had, is no yeah. longer with us. Um, yeah. Oh, I should add him to our in memoriam section yeah, for later. Probably. Yeah. I just put down how impressive Brian Pillman and Bobby Eaton are in this match. They're really, they just run away with this match whenever they're together. And and Bobby Eaton's doing that flying leg drop off off the top rope. That's just so brutal and nasty and i don't know how he's not paralyzed by it every single time that he does it uh pillman is so fast and he just he he's macho man-esque I, honestly he looks like the uh, reincarnation of macho man in this match especially with how fast he gets to the top rope to do things like he jumps from the mat to the top turnbuckle and spins to face the correct direction all in one fluid motion just whoop and he's up there and it's just incredible athleticism out of out of everybody in this match, but especially Brian Pillman and Bobby Eaton. It, I'm I will watch Bobby Eaton every day and every night. <laughs> yeah, no, they they are both. Uh, yeah, Pillman is is super fluid um, and just you know kind of a a smaller guy, but also sort of a, like a total package. Like clearly, you know, well well trained, very adept, very athletic. Um, a lot of fun to watch. Uh, really, really enjoyed it. Um, Tom Zanks, all right. You know, we've seen him in WrestleMania. He was with Tito Santana. He was in the Can-Am Connection for a bit. He's one of those uh, Minnesota guys. He came out with uh, the Road Warriors and, oh, who else? The Barbarian. Yeah. And, you know, those guys that came out of uh, came out All of the bar bouncers um, that <laughs> yeah, exactly. wrestler. Um, so... Midnight uh, hits the rocket launcher finisher, but Zink manages to kick out, and he has the opportunity to make the tag. There was a perfect shot for a hot tag there, but he stays in. Uh, Bobby crouches himself on the corner, and then while the ref is um, distracted, Stan kicks the Z-Man in the back, and Bobby gets the cradle for the win, and they take the tag team championship. And Cornette just like appears at ringside, which makes me think maybe that cage isn't as locked as it uh, is purported to be. So yeah, it was a, that was a fun match. It was good, good stuff. Yeah. Fast, fast pace, very, very talented folks. Yeah, my only gripe is, again, WWE, I wish you would buy the rights to use the actual theme song that the Midnight Express used, uh, just because I'm tired of listening to this cheap version of it that you guys <laughs> pipe in over top of it during during yeah. these old events that we watch on the on the old network here. Because yeah, it sucks. Just just <laughs> just it can't be that expensive to get the rights to the song "The Chase" from the Midnight from the movie Midnight Express. At this point, it cannot cost you more than like one tenth of a penny bucks. per pe- per play. Yeah. Like just just get it, just do it. <laughs> do we need to crowdfund this? Is that what's going Possibly. on? Possibly. 
Um, so Gordon Sully is in the back. That's not really the back again. Uh, he's got some more static and footage of Robocop. Robocop's here. He's here. He's here. It's very exciting. I'm very excited. Uh, we're going to introduce Sting. Uh, and then why so Sting's, uh, I'm not sure actually. Um, just cause he's there. Uh, so it's kind of like, um, who was it? Was it Ibsen or one of those playwrights that if you, if you show a gun in the first act, it has to go off by the end of the fifth, right? So like, um, if you show Sting, uh, you know, you're going to have to have him do something before the end of the show. But like, we know Sting is hurt at this point, right? That's like the whole yeah. deal is that Sting is hurt. I don't know. But they introduce Sting and then they introduce America's, a nation's number one law enforcement uh, officer, <laughs> RoboCop. Um, <laughs> ACAB, they, uh, folks. <laughs> Ro- RoboCop. ACAB does not include RoboCop, okay? Um. But while Robocop is uh, is there, uh, Oli and Arn and Sid attack Sting and throw him in that cage that we know is obviously very secure. <laughs> um, and uh, and it, you know it's the timing is perfect. Like you, they get locked in a in a shoddy looking cage just as America's number one law enforcement robotic officer comes <laughs> right down the ring, uh, right to the ring. He he goes. He he bends the obviously not at all uh, like cardboard. Uh, bars and then he pulls the obviously not at all rigged uh, door <laughs> off the cage uh, so that he can he can rescue sting uh, and the bad guys run off because you know his he's robocop and presumably he's got that pistol in his leg like uh, and that thing is shoot them <laughs> shoot, not to be fucked with yeah the four horsemen uh there's also one other very big detail here is that the horsemen never lock the cage <laughs> Sting could have just pushed that door open and walked right out. We didn't need. No, he couldn't. He, he didn't mm-hmm. need RoboCop. He didn't need RoboCop. RoboCop did it with its robo strength. Okay. Mm-hmm. He did it. He totally because he's a robot and also America's number one law enforcement officer. How do you think? Like, like Ted, I believe in RoboCop, Rich. That like Ted Turner watched this and was like, "Hot damn, that's going to sell a lot of tickets <laughs> to that movie." <laughs> I have no idea what anyone who was involved in this was thinking, to be honest. Damn, that's a genius move. This is the best thing we've ever put on TV. This is it. Why? You know what I know? You know what I I think they didn't think was that in the not too distant future, like within the same decade, there's going to be technology that will allow anyone to watch this footage over and over and over again at their heart's content uh, and make fun of it in in anonymous and hilarious ways. Yeah. Uh, That didn't enter their minds, clearly. No. Uh, do you think Jim Ross still like sleep thinks about this at night trying to go to sleep? Yeah. And, like he's like runs runs down some of his biggest regrets. Yeah. Like Bob Cottle, I think he, Bob Cottle's still alive. So I think when mm-hmm. when Cottle does go, that's going to be like his parting words is like something about like I should have never s- talked about RoboCop or something. Shouldn't have done the RoboCop spot. He should have canceled the RoboCop spot. <laughs> I'm so glad they did it. Would we even have watched this show if it hadn't been for that? Probably not. Like, yeah, probably not. Probably not. So it did get us to watch it in the future, and right. probably give some sort of royalty check to the WWE, Orion, and Orion, Orion Pictures, which I don't, I think is has been like purchased like three times now at this point. So I'm sure. Yeah, I think they're part of Universal now. I think possibly. So. <sighs> Orion was the shit back in the day. They yeah. put out all the good movies. Yeah. 
them and Touchstone, man. Um, anyway, well, I'm glad that we got to see that. I think I, I'm a big Robocop fan. Uh, the remake a few years ago was garbage. I didn't like that at all. I forgot they did a remake. So, I'll let you yeah, know. you're lucky. Yeah, you're lucky. I'm still mad about it. Um, so I don't know if you guys watch this one and uh, have thoughts about whether or not that's Peter Weller in there, you know, shoot us an email, <laughs> yeah. uh, find it, us on the socials. The jury is out as to whether that's Peter Weller. And, uh, at this point it's 33 years ago. Is there a <laughs> chance that Peter Weller even remembers? So I feel like you would remember that. So I remember think... that time I rescued sting from a <laughs> fake cage in the DC armory. There's another reason why this spot doesn't work. Sting is bigger than RoboCop. (laughs) (laughs) I know he doesn't. I know Sting doesn't have the robot powers. um, Yeah. But Sting is a solid four to five inches taller than RoboCop. Three to four inches broader. Like he looked like he could actually fight RoboCop and maybe win as long as RoboCop didn't pull out that hip gun. (laughs) Yeah. So Robocop doesn't have the advantage here of being shot from below the way he is in the movies. Like he's, he's shot and, and yeah. framed specifically to make him look very large and intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. You know what would made this spot perfect is if Robocop had like come out and shot one of the horsemen in the dick. <laughs> just top it all off. I would have just been chef's kiss. Just, just so perfect. Anyway. Um, so junkyard dog is back. He's, uh, he's talking to Tony. Yeah, he he's he's back. He's looking good. He's looking for the four horsemen. He's looking for Mean Mark. He looks. He's looking for anybody else who wants to step into the dog pound with him. And Cornette comes out and talks shit to him. <laughs> this <laughs> promo about, is hilarious. Oh, yes, it's really funny. He's like, "Where have you been while we were doing X, Y, and Z? Where have you been while this is happening?" And uh, <laughs> JYD responds by giving a street address. And Cornette does like a double take, and he realizes that's my mom's address. <laughs> and yeah, like, exit stage left, no, stage right, exit exit stage right for those two. And uh, Coddle is laughing his ass off through the whole thing. <laughs> uh, it's, oh, sorry, it was Coddle. I said Tony. Yeah. Was, well, no, Coddle's on the play by play. Tony Schiavone's interviewing oh, oh, oh. Junkyard Dog, but Tony. Tony okay, but uh, Bob Coddle on play by play is laughing the entire time. Schiavone is trying to hide his Snickers. <laughs> Uh, it's so good because like junkyard dog also before all that even delivers amazing line of saying that playtime is over player. Every dog needs a bone and I've found a bone. He does a lot of rhyming. Like we love his promos. Yeah. He's, he's good. Don't, they don't need to make no, sense. They're just art. No, they're art. <laughs> it's all I you deliver them. The only thing we're missing here is grab them cakes. Grab them cakes. Yeah. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. The next match is another um, gimmick match. This is the Rock and Roll Express, Ricky and Robert, of course, versus the Fabulous Freebirds, which is Jimmy Garvin and Michael Hayes. It's a corporal punishment match, which um, if you don't know what that means, and that's okay because that's this is not a thing. The announcers uh, don't even that, know what it means. No, it's it, it's dumb as hell. It means that everybody in the match gets a whip that they can use <laughs> as they see fit, basically. <laughs> And it's like the kind with like the multiple, um, you know, lashes coming out. Like, a, it's not a cat of nine tails because it's not, it's, they're not like knotted on the end. It's, it's a, just a bunch of leather straps taped yeah. together. But they have them taped together so that the straps can't fly out and actually hurt anybody. It's just one big, like, leather thong, basically. Like, it's dumb and cheap. Yeah. 
It's and this match lasts forever. Yes, and I'm bored. There's a beautiful free bird suck chant that happens <laughs> like almost immediately. Uh, they do kind of suck. Ricky Morton's hair is even more baffling. Yeah. Spiky and then mullet long flowing in the back. I don't know how you do that. It's kind of impressive, but also just like it's glorious. What is going on with your head? Um, <laughs> Jim Ross and Bob Cottle reminisce about their child abuse past. <laughs> like they just get like, I remember when my father would take me out behind the woodshed. Like you sound like you liked that. And it's weird that the straps are kept in their actual corners. So it's not like they had to fight their way get to the straps like they're not in like a neutral corner they could have just reached over at any time and grabbed their their team strap and just go at it but somehow the freebirds keep losing their strap and both members of the rock and roll express end up with straps repeatedly during this match and whip on the freebirds and uh jimmy garvin whatever but michael hayes his high stepping every time he's getting whipped is hilarious it is some of the funniest movement that you would ever see out of a human being it's incredible his eyeliner is very distracting throughout that too um i don't know jackie was really grossed out by both uh, both of those guys but by michael hayes especially (laughs) and she's like what she's like did every tag team have a dirty looking blonde guy teamed up with a dirty looking brunette guy. I'm like, yeah, you're, that's pretty much describing the, you are describing NWA the 1970s tag- and eighties Jim Crockett promotions. <laughs> tag team aesthetic. Yeah. That's, that's it. Like yeah. you get, you get one of two choices. You can be, sometimes you can be like a clean cut looking, but even then your hair is still kind of suspect like Ricky. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Rock and roll express win with a sunset flip. This thing, it, like it's 20 damn minutes long. Yeah. It takes forever. Um, I wanted to whip myself with a strap uh, just to make it end. Um, uh, anything else to say about that? No, which is a I, shame because the Rock and Roll Express are always entertaining to me, but the Freebirds yeah. just bore the crap out of me most of the time, except for when Michael Hayes is getting get whipped. I, I think it's Michael Hayes is good, but the other two members of the of the, of the the Freebirds are just meh. Yeah, you know, but with the Rock and Roll Express, you always know what you're going to get. You're going to get 10 minutes of Ricky Morton getting his <laughs> ass beat and then uh, Robert coming in, saving the day on the hot tag, the double drop mm-hmm. kick, one, two, three. And that's the that's that's the game. You know, that's the whole show, folks. You know? Yeah, I think the only good um, Freebirds one we've seen was that AWA show, the Super Sunday one where it was um, then with the Road Warriors. In the stadium, yeah, yeah. Where, because it was just like a bunch of like chaos and nonsense. Oh, and uh, that's the one where they came to the ring with Confederate flags painted on their faces. Yeah, and it, but then they get their asses like dragged to the dugout. Yeah, and like it just it just keeps going. That's that's the only one I remember. They had some real heat in that. They had go away heat in that match. Yeah, <laughs> they had go away heat for me in this match. So I'm glad it's over. Um, Tony is uh, talking to Doug Furness, who's build as the world's strongest man and he's like oh the world's strongest man here i'm like really mark henry and no it's doug Furness, who was a, a power lifter and had a very short wrestling career um not with us anymore I, he doesn't have much to say and does that lex luger's awesome that's all he says basically yeah <laughs> he's strong like me yeah. we like muscles we enjoy protein shakes um there's an interview with sting who again it was never really great at talking um i'm i'm trying to think of somebody whose voice matches their look less than sting i've I've always thought that yeah. like 
he looks like cool, and then he starts talking you're like, oh, he's not right. cool. <laughs> he's not. This guy's not cool at all. Yeah, I'm a dork. He's kind of a dork. Yeah. Anyway, he didn't have anything to say either. No, that's, that's the thing. Um. All right. I, all right. Here's here's the whole show. This is it right here. This is this is the stuff. This is uh, Doom. Ron Simmons and Butch Reed with Teddy Long versus Rick and Scott, the Steiner brothers for the NWA world tag team championship match. Um, they introduced these guys. Um, Jackie said of doom. She's like, they're kind of terrifying. I'm like, yeah, they are scary. I like, there's, <laughs> I was like, sit down and watch. Cause there's about to be some violence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, uh, neither of these teams know that this is supposed to be fake. <laughs> so, um, just, Let's just watch. <laughs> that is pretty accurate. Someone should tell them that this isn't real. Yeah. Stop. Stop it. This is another moment where you can tell how hot the arena is. Um, yeah. The ref is sweating through his shirt. It's so gross. It's so bad. There's no way it's comfortable in that arena right now. The crowd is not pleased with Doom. They're they're giving him the business. And uh, and Butch tells um, <laughs> tells. I guess he tells the ref, like, of course, within uh, within shot of the microphone, he says, I'll beat up the Steiners. I'll beat up these stupid geeks, too, pointing at the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> they do look like a bunch of stupid geeks. I'm with him. On yeah. That yeah. I mean, they uh, live in D.C. Come on. Yeah. Losers. Uh, so this one starts with Scott Steiner, like manhandling Ron Simmons, which I don't think I've ever yeah. seen anybody manhandle Ron Simmons. I was fucking blown away. Like. He shoulder blocks him to the canvas and then follows that up with a power slam. I'm like, what the actual fuck is going on right <laughs> yeah, now? He's just throwing Ron Simmons around like he's just a sack it's of potatoes. Okay. He's just throwing him, just throwwing him around. You don't need that. Just throw him out. Just like <laughs> I've I've never seen this before. Yeah. I've never like so Ron's whole thing is that he's this unstoppable force and he's he's like uh he's like the road warriors a little bit right he just comes out there he beats the fuck out of people and he goes about his business but like he's up against somebody here scott steiner who is as big and strong as he is and who can not only match him but you know when it comes to like a shoulder block test of strength can actually knock him down on his bet i don't i don't know what to think yeah and then rick steiner comes in and reed tags in <laughs> And it's the same deal. Like Rick just throws yeah. Butch Reed all over the place. And then, but then at one point, uh, Reed just takes the clothesline and then like no sells it and picks Rick Steiner up and throws him out of the ring. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> no, this whole, this match is incredible. Actually, it's, it's a little even hard to describe because it's just, um, this is four sides of beef running into each other yeah. repeatedly. Um, we did, we did take a quick break for, um, JR to inform us that Ron Simmons is Burt Reynolds' favorite wrestler. Yes. Um, that, that's very important. Which we're told every time Ron Simmons and Jim Ross are involved <laughs> in a match. Uh, it's just insane. The stuff that comes out of Jim Ross's mouth. I, where did he find that out? Like, I don't know. And, but then if he's making it up, why would he pick Burt Reynolds? Yeah. I don't know. You know, and, you know, it, this match, though, everything is a power move. Mm -hmm. The ref is just letting things happen. There's closed fists. They're punching. Everything is stiff and just uncomfortably mean. I, man, the, there's <laughs> they trade pile drivers. Ron Simmons calls a fan an old man. 
Like it's got everything. <laughs> Catch round with a Frankensteiner, uh, which again usually is a finisher. Rick comes in on Butch for the Steiner line, but Ron comes to the rescue. The crowd starts barking for Rick every time he comes in the ring. Um, and then the finisher is basically the Road Warriors Doomsday device, right? Like he picks up picks up one of the Steiners and the other Doom. I don't I don't know which one was which. Uh, hits him off of the turnbuckle with a clothesline they double team rick while the ref is distracted and doom gets the win and takes the title and new world tag team championship Uh, yeah but if you're watching if you watch the replay when they show the replay you can see the ref actually watching the action in the corner for the he's watching waiting for the distraction to come so it's mm. kind of a oh kind of kind of a moment that lets down this match a bit but this match is an ass kicking all the way through I was exhausted. I was like, oh, shit, we have one more match yeah. to go. Um, but fortunately, we get right to it. I don't think there's any other no, in between No, there's here. nothing. <laughs> we just roll. They bring the cage back down. Uh, Ric Flair is introduced with woman. That is, uh, like I said, that's um, Nancy what Sullivan, I guess at the moment, yeah. later Nancy Benoit um, versus Lex Luthor, Lex Luthor, <laughs> Lex Luger. Superman. There's RoboCop He's, and Superman on this show. Oh, man. Show does have everything. It's a steel cage match for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Um, there's some shenanigans at the at the beginning with a uh, woman being allowed inside the cage, which is definitely not kosher. And the ref wants to check her gloves for foreign objects, but Flair keeps getting in the way, and eventually he does find something in her glove and pockets it. And the crowd chants, "Throw her out!" But they just ring the bell. It's just like the crowd's like, "Throw her out! Throw her out!" I'm like, well, you know, she tried to sneak in this mace or whatever it was. We're just gonna get started here. Yeah. Yeah, that was a pretty good spot, though. Luger insisting on women to get get patted down as well. That's pretty yeah. funny. That um, yeah. yeah, the 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 steel cage looks like it's made of aluminum foil. It is rickety. <laughs> yes. It is wobbling all over the place. It so it doesn't just go around the ring. So if you're thinking of like old classic blue cage that like the WWF used for years and years, that just went to the edge of the of, of the of the ring. That's not what this is. This is a cage that actually encapsulates some of the uh, outside of the ring area as well. So it's yeah, more it's more like a hell in a cell without a roof uh, to describe the cage. But the cage is rickety AF. It is not going to survive the night probably. Um, <laughs> And Luger supposedly just came from the hospital. He came directly from the hospital for this match, according to the storylines. He looks to be doing pretty damn good from just being uh, in the hospital, honestly. Yeah, he he picks Flair up over his head twice in a row, like like he's nothing, like he's a child playing airplane, uh, whatever, on the playground. Yeah. and uh, he, and he's he's selling the knee kind of off and on, uh, you know. Rick is going back to the knee, you know, good heel stuff. We used to have guinea pigs, and the the cages that we have for the guinea pigs were more sturdy than the likely, this thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Rick starts bleeding like crazy yeah. at one point. Uh, his, you know, his blonde hair is just full of blood. It looks awesome. Um, I, this goes on a while. I mean, it's a good, it's a decent match. It's a it's kind of what you would expect from a Ric Flair versus Lex Luger match. I don't know that yeah. I have anything in particular to say about it till we get to the finish. Well, I mean, there was one f- very fascinating thing that like sent me down a rabbit hole. And that was uh, Jim Ross says that Lex Luger turned down an appointment to the Naval Academy to go to Penn State. And that he also played for the University of Miami, but he graduated from the University of Buffalo. And that's a lot of transferring. 
I can find no evidence that he actually went to the University of Buffalo, except for the fact that he was from Buffalo. So this goes in our Jim Ross making shit up. Right. Pile. So to add on to that, why the process to get into the Naval Academy? It's not like it's a college. You have to get a you have to get nominated by your senator or your member of the House of Representatives, and or by your ROTC unit, and like. It's not just like you can call up your senator and be like, hey, I want to go to the Naval Academy. Can you put in a thing for me? You got to like schmooze and you got to do things and you got to know people and you got to do a lot of work. Why would you go through all of that just to say, no, I think I'm going to go to Penn State instead. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to Miami later. Yeah, no, that doesn't make any sense. No. And I just, there was some moments that were impressive in this match. Flair vertically suplexed Lex Luger, which is intense. Luger probably outweighs him by almost a hundred pounds and it's all muscle and flair gets him up and holds him and then slams him down. But Luger no sells it because that's how it is. That's, that's his Luger's thing in these days where they just like bounces right back up from things and then like comes at you and flexes for some reason, flair starts climbing the cage. This isn't WWF yeah. rules where like, if you get out of the cage, you win. He just starts yeah, climbing. He going? She just tries to leave, which just puts him in a really bad spot. Uh, and that's where he gets really bloody uh that's also where i noticed the dude in the super sweet dick tracy the movie t-shirt that was sitting ringside that shirt was awesome <laughs> nice. i had that shirt. i had that shirt yeah, yeah that shirt was did you have it on white or on black i had it on white i think yeah i had it on black because i was a fat kid and somebody told me black was slimming so i, yeah. I bought all my t-shirts in black it didn't work i still wear all my shirts in black if possible yeah it does it doesn't work but it's no, okay no it's just like oh there's a fat guy in a black shirt um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll rep for that movie though. I yeah, that, that movie's movie great. Uh, Luger lands a suplex, but now he's selling his knee injury that was put him in the hospital. But you know he was fine. He was fine f- through yeah. everything else in in this match. So like Flair locks in the figure four, and the ref breaks the hold because Luger reaches the ropes. So I guess there's rules in a cage match. I I don't understand. Apparently, I don't know. Uh, yeah. It was it was weird to me. And then that's when Sid, Arn, and Oli come down, and they start observing. And Luger, uh, uh, they're beating the hell out of Luger. And now Sting comes down and starts fighting off the Horsemen. And now El Gigante shows up in his spacesuit and chases <laughs> off the Horsemen. This match, the ending of this match is absolutely bonkers. Yeah, it's 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 a little crazy. They they um. The announcers are saying that somehow the horseman got to the guy that controls the 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 cage and they convinced him to pull it up so they could slip underneath. And Barry Windham is there, um, despite the fact that he wasn't there earlier with them. I, maybe he was caught in that D.C. traffic. I don't know. I don't know. Um, maybe his tickets had to started at eight as well or something. Yeah. Um, this is uh, El Gigante's first WCW appearance, actually. It, it so. is. It is. And it's a yeah. weird one. It's a weird time to roll him out. And he just looks massive. And Jim Ross starts screaming that he wants to be patched into the cage guy. <laughs> the cage guy doesn't have a headset. Like, no. No. What the fuck? And then uh, Wyndham and Arn rough up Luger and Flair throws the ref out of the ring, which looked like a pretty nasty bump. And this entire yeah. time, all I can think of is where's RoboCop? <laughs> we know he's there. We know yeah. he's Sting's friend. Why isn't RoboCop coming down 
and fighting. This is this is the moment. Yeah. Maybe because Robocop's This is where we really need you. Uh, yeah, Flair and the guys come up the aisle, and he, Flair gives an absolutely unhinged interview. He's got blood all over his face and hair, <laughs> and his eyes are huge, and he's yelling, Look at it! Look at us! Look at it! And he's pointing to the belt. And he's saying, This is the 10 pounds of gold. This is this is a championship. This is mine. You will never take this. Um, and then Sting and El Gigante just kind of walk up on him from behind yeah. and kind of push them but not that much and then they run away and then we roll the credits and Tom Caudle screams there's that big one again <laughs> big what Bob <laughs> let's not that big one uh, hmm. yeah Ric Flair is terrifying in that, in that promo <laughs> oh Jesus oh yeah, what a show of control what a yeah. show fun show fun show I'm glad we got a chance to watch it um, you want to run down the best and the worst Sure. Uh, let's see. My best, my favorite match was probably going to be uh, Doom versus Steiner Brothers. I think. Fuck yeah, it was. That's yeah. good shit. I'd watch that 10 times and twice on Sunday. Yeah, the Steiners are just so mean. And so were the, <laughs> so was Doom, man. Jesus. These these guys, they just, they just hurt each other. It's, it's insane <laughs> how everybody walked away from that match. Everybody in that match is terrifying. I don't, I don't like it. Um, the worst match for me, I'm going to say the Freebirds versus the Rock and Roll Express, um, which was disappointing because I do love the Rock and Roll Express. I love Ricky Morton's hair. I love him getting the shit beat out of him for 10 minutes before the um, the hot tag. Um, but, you know, the Freebirds, I just I don't get it. I didn't get the, the gimmick with the straps. Um, and it was it's obviously kind of cheesy because they – they handicapped handicapped the the whips before they even began. That 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 was my worst. Yeah, I mean that that match I think is for me is also the worst. And it's not just I mean the action was fine. You know it's it runs long, but I think just the confusion of the production of not knowing what that match was because like yeah. Jim Ross and Bob Cottle were totally talking like expecting like okay the Freebirds and the Rock and Roll Express are going to come in they're going to get strapped together like a double dull collar match or something like that <laughs> and then it doesn't happen. <laughs> and they're like, oh, I guess, I guess they don't get strapped together. The ref's not strapping them, strapping them in. Oh, I see. There's whips in each corner. Like, <laughs> like they didn't even bother like telling the announcers the rules of the damn match. So why should I care about the match? Kayfabe the announcers right out of their shoes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if I had an oh shit moment, I would say it's probably Scott Steiner manhandling Ron Simmons in the first their first exchange or two in the in that match. Um, again, I'm still kind of blown away by that. I can't really believe I watched that happen. Yeah, that that's insane. I mean, that's that's definitely up there for me. I still think my oh shit moment is the whole RoboCop thing. <laughs> you can't. I, it's I mean, the, it's the elephant yeah. in the room. You can't, you can't ignore that. Like, and That's like, there's true. almost, there's no story to it. There's no nothing. There's no real explanation as to why RoboCop is there, except for RoboCop is maybe here. RoboCop's here, and oh, here's Sting. He's walking out to the ring for no reason. <laughs> Absolutely no reason. There's no story behind why sting is walking out there's no like stings coming out for an interview or anything like that it's just like here's sting and stings walking out waving to everybody like he's running for office and then <laughs> the horsemen jump him and throw him into clearly a rubber cage yeah it's clearly a fake cage they don't even lock it and then robocop comes rolling down robocop looks unimpressive 
because RoboCop is smaller than Sting. It looks like he's made of plastic, too. That, well, obviously, there's no way he's, like, walking. Like, if someone wore that much metal, there's <laughs> they're, they're not moving. So... I think I think it's just that whole situation is as a giant oh shit moment, and then they just move on as if it was no big deal that RoboCop, fucking RoboCop, showed up <laughs> in a, at a wrestling event. Like if RoboCop, like if how do you not like act like that's a bigger deal? Like this is like well now we have Junkyard Dog, and okay, <laughs> <laughs> that was RoboCop, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well that just happened right yeah. right so i think i think that's my oh shit moment there's a there's a media critic uh i don't know if it was marshall McLuhan. I, I don't think it's marshall McLuhan. it's one of the it's a, it's a different one and he's it's an older one so it's like i'm gonna say it's from the 70s and he's writing about the news and the way that the news transitions from one story to the next and they said that the yeah. key sort of like thing in the news is and now this because it's like it's non it's just like here's a succession of things that are happening they're not related and so there's not like there's no transitions right it's like and now this it's like and now this and that's the way the, the way robocop feels and now robocop is here and now right. he's not and junkyard dog is here right because like you can't like how does the news function like you can't just be talking about like there was a murder on first street the 7-eleven on 20th street was robbed and the local sports team just won the championship like you like how do you go <laughs> and here's a water skiing life? squirrel right so it, it it definitely feels very disjointed it feels out of place there's still a lot of jim crock promotion stuff hanging around even though it's been over a year because like almost every match on this car is a tag match mm-hmm. um and obviously like rick flair four horsemen all that kind of stuff all the classic nwa jim crocker promotion stuff is there but <laughs> fucking robocop too like like yeah I, I i i can't imagine i i feel like this would be if Jim Crockett was watching this, this would be like his like Roman Reigns, Cody Rhodes throwing your cell phone across the room moment. Like <laughs> he probably shot his television. I can't imagine that he's ha- he would be happy seeing his product relegated to whoring itself to, to advertise RoboCop. Like <laughs> I could understand if they were just like, you know, this Capital Combat 90 brought to you by RoboCop 2 in theaters in June. Like, that, yeah. that's fine that's normal that's like actual cross promotion that completely just breaks the product and it breaks reality and it just and everybody yells at vince mcmahon for testifying that it's sports entertainment during like wcw <laughs> fucking brought robocop in <laughs> yeah they should have just played that clip at the at the trial or whatever just if if it wasn't fake then right then RoboCop's real. Robo- everything mm-hmm. is real. Like I don't. I I don't know. I just. Well, so this is uh, sort of a very transitional uh, period for WCW. Like you said, it's um, it's a lot of the the JCP stuff still hanging around, but we're kind of on our way to to the next phase. This kind of stuff, I think, uh, you know, David Crockett in his interview with us talked about how so many people were unhappy with with Ted Turner taking over the promotion and running things that, you know, 
if you look at this card, you you see almost every performer on this show leaves for WWF within the next 18 months. And that includes Ric Flair, Lex Luger, Norman the Lunatic, who becomes Bastion Booker, the Road Warriors, Cactus Jack, though Cactus Jack came back late in 1991. Uh, Bam Bam Bigelow, Mean Mark goes off to be, you know, some guy named The Undertaker. Uh, Johnny Ace leaves, he, you know, John, John Laurinaitis, as we see when he's dressed as Brother Love at that one WrestleMania. Uh, Mike Rotunda, he goes off and becomes IRS. Uh, Stan Lane leaves just because he doesn't even go to WWF, but he just like, I'm not doing this anymore. The Steiner brothers go off to WWF. The Samoan SWAT team go off to become the head shrinkers at WWF. The Rock and Roll Express leave. They show up briefly in WWF, but they also like end up working in uh, Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Uh, Butch Reed leaves. Uh, Tommy Rich leaves. Sid Vicious leaves. El Gigante. He hasn't even had like a real match yet at this point, and he just like this is stupid and rolls out too. It's very much like not looking good. And Tony Schiavone leaves for a brief period of time, a little bit later than 18 months uh, to show up in WWF. The only person on the show that doesn't show up in WWF, I think is uh sting and RoboCop. That's, <laughs> that's it. Uh, no. You know, even in like a, a little bit more time than uh, 18 months, uh, um, uh, Michael P.S. Hayes from, from Freebirds retires and shows up as Doc Hendricks over in WWF. So WCW has a nearly complete turnover of its entire entire staff not long after this show. Well, we also want to take a minute, uh, since we get into the end of the episode here, just as we always do, to, to pay tribute to the men and women that we've seen who are no longer with us. So our in-memoriam section for Capital Combat 1990 from the DC Armory includes uh, Gordon Sully, Bam Bam Bigelow, Oliver Humperdink, Road Warrior Hawk and Road Warrior Animal, Mike Shaw, a.k.a. Norman the Lunatic, Beautiful Bobby Eaton, Flying Brian Pillman, the Z-Man, Tom Zank, the Junkyard Dog, Doug Furness, Butch Reed, Nancy Sullivan, later Benoit, a.k.a. Woman, Jorge Gonzalez, a.k.a. El Gigante, uh, Officer Alex Murphy of the Detroit PD, and former D.C. Mayor Marion Barry. We didn't see Marion Barry, but we talked about him. Burt Reynolds, I guess, too. All right. Well, that's our show for today. We appreciate you listening. As always, you can find us on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, X, uh, look for the wrestling archives. Um, you can find us at the wrestling archives.com. If you want to drop us the cost of a cup of coffee and help support the show, it's ko fi.com slash the wrestling archives. We have a T public site, search for wrestling archives. You can find our t-shirts and other, uh, merch there. We can put our very cool new logo that rich created for us. Um, Anything else you want to say before we wrap up, Rich? RoboCop. <laughs> also, they, they market this show as the return of RoboCop. RoboCop right. has not shown had not shown up in WCW before that. So he's returning to the film. I, he's, I, it's RoboCop two. I guess I. Fuck. I don't know. We'll send him to Jim Cornette's mom's address. So. All right, everybody, take it easy. Bye bye.